We're going to look this evening at the subject of, uh, Lord, what will you have me to do with you? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Lord. Lord, what will you have me to do with you? And again, I want you to think this evening, because we're, we've been doing this all week, uh, we've been thinking about the fact that we're talking about me. We're not talking about somebody else. We've been talking about me. Lord, what will you have me to do with you? I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the second chapter of the book of Luke. And follow with me as we read together from the Word of God. Luke chapter 2. To give you a little background of this, of course, you are aware of the fact that our Savior was born in the city of Bethlehem. This happened in Luke chapter 2. This is recorded there. The Lord was born in a what we would refer to as a stable. He was not born in a house. He was not born in an inn. He was born in a stable. He was not born of wealthy parentage, as we have mentioned before. He was born of parents that were maybe not destitute, but certainly poor. After Jesus was born, the Lord, along with his parents and We realize, and I realize, that Joseph was not his real father, but he was his legal father. He was the one that was entrusted to take care of our Savior, along with Mary, his mother. But as eventually, sometime during the next few days, Jesus, his parents left the stable, and went to someone's house. I don't know whose house they went to. The Bible does not tell us. And while they were there, you recall that after eight eight days, our Lord was circumcised according to the custom of the law. And then after 40 days, Mary had to offer, along with her husband Joseph, a sacrifice of turtle doves for purity. This was again according to the law. After 40 days, when a male child was born, it was 40 days, and and there would be a sacrifice that would be offered so that she would be purified. After 80 days, uh, if a female was born. So all of this went on, and I'm sure that as um, the case might have been, that they remained in Bethlehem, probably with family. And then they came back down to Jerusalem. As you're going to find them in Jerusalem in the next few verses, several verses, in fact, when you begin somewhere around uh, verse 22 and on. Uh, they were in Jerusalem and, and uh, back and forth. Uh, there was, they were in the temple. And then eventually they went back to Nazareth in verse 39. And so follow with me beginning in verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went down to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, 
they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew it not. And they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him, and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they said they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not, or know ye not, that I must be about my father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them, and he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now that's the reading of verses 40 through the end of the chapter, verse 52 in Luke chapter 2. And as you look at this particular text, here's something that I want you to note. Our Savior, the Messiah, Son of God, Jesus, was lost in Jerusalem. He was lost to his parents. Now, when I say lost in Jerusalem, Jesus no doubt knew where he was. But as far as being lost, he was lost to his parents. Now today, if you want to make the spiritual application, Jesus is lost to the masses of people. And we understand that. And if we understand that, then what we need to do is we need to be concerned about getting Jesus to the world. But now, there's a little more about getting Jesus to the world than just saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We have to preach his word. You know, the question that we're going to discuss this evening during the course of the lesson, as we talk about the fact of, Lord, what will you have me to do with you? But the question that we're going to discuss this evening is a little bit different. We're going to look at why Jesus was lost. Why was he lost? Now, you may think that kind of strange, but... but as we examine this particular lesson, I believe that, that if we can find out how it was that Jesus was lost and then how he was found, that we can know how we can find Jesus in our lives. And so that's what we're going to look at this evening. You know, I'm not going to tell you this evening that Joseph and Mary were irresponsible. I'm not going to tell you that they were willful in what they did because I don't believe they were. But I'm merely using this particular example so that we might understand the, the fact that, that people today, just as Joseph and Mary did then, make mistakes. And as far as whether or not people ever find Jesus in their life will be determined by what we do.
So why was it that Jesus was lost? Well, number one, Jesus was lost because of negligence. I want you to listen to this just a moment. He, He was lost because of negligence. Now, somebody may say, well, he stayed behind. I understand that. They say, well, God knew where he was. I understand that. But Joseph and Mary didn't. But I do want you to understand this. He was not lost because Joseph and Mary were wicked people and did not care. Jesus is lost to a host of people in the world today because they're wicked people and they do not care. They don't care about him. It's not the case with Joseph and Mary. Jesus was not lost because they could not know or did not know or could not have known where Jesus was because they could have known where Jesus was. And folks, Jesus was not lost because... They didn't love him. They loved our Savior. In fact, you recall, as we read verse 44, it says, or, or, or later out, actually in the, in the chapter where it says, that we sought thee sorrowing. And the word sorrowing simply means that they were extremely anxious looking for Jesus. And Mary, his mother, reminded him of that. And you would have thought, well, they they knew who Jesus was because they did. Mary knew that Jesus was the Son of God because she was a virgin. And she knew from the announcement of the angel that Jesus was going to be born not because of a relationship with a man, but because God put Jesus in her womb through the seed of both Mary and the Spirit of God. Jesus was born and came into this world. He came into this world as a baby. And somebody had to take care of him. How many of you would take a baby and set it in a house and say, now, okay, you take care of yourself. You provide your own food. You, you change your own diapers. You take care of yourself and dressing yourself. You could not do that, folks. A baby could not take care of itself. Even a child could not take care of itself. That's the reason why we've been entrusted with parents. Aren't you thankful to God for that? Listen just a moment. Jesus was lost because of neglect. And may I suggest to you this, that the result of neglect is the same as if something had been done intentionally. Did you hear what I said? That the result of neglect was the same, at least in most cases, as if something had been done intentionally. I'm talking about the result. I'm not talking about why it was done or for what reason it was done. I'm just saying from the standpoint of neglect that we need to understand. We could neglect a lot of things. We can neglect our own soul. We might not do it uh, intentionally. We might not do it out of ill will or malice or whatever, but it's still the same. 
as something done intentionally. Listen to the Hebrew writer, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. When the Hebrew Hebrew writer said, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by our Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. You see, Jesus started out in teaching and preaching and performing miracles and the apostles kept on doing it. They kept on telling what Jesus was telling and more. And yet the Hebrew writer said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Well, we're not going to escape. The answer to that is obvious, folks. We will not escape if we neglect the great salvation that God has given to us in this life. You know, there are going to be many people that are going to be lost on the day day of judgment who knew the truth and intended someday to obey it. Now, I want to think I want you to think for just a moment. I don't know how many in this assembly this evening are are in this condition or in this position. But if you know the truth, if you understand the truth, and yet you intend someday to obey it, but you do not do so, you neglect to obey it, guess what, folks? You're going to be lost. There's no way around it. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 4, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. I like the word diligently. The word diligently means with painstaking care. With painstaking care. If you've ever gone through any type of physical therapy, and I would say probably many of you in this assembly have sometime or other gone through physical therapy. Well, let me tell you how it's like. It's, it's, this word diligent is kind of like it's painstaking care that's going to get you over whatever you're having a problem with, whether it's back, knee, or whatever. It's going to take diligence. If you give up and if you quit, it's not going to work. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder them that diligently seek him. Well, now, how do you seek the Lord? Well, you seek the Lord by going to his word, understanding it, and obeying it. And we've talked about that in some of the lessons this week. We mentioned... Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. That the very first problem in the church in the first century was the fact that the widows, the Grecian widows, were being neglected and the Grecians, that is those who came from other parts of the world but were still Jews, were jealous over the fact or at least upset over the fact that their widows were not being taken care of like the Hebrew Christian widows. That was the very first problem in the church. It is possible for people to become so involved in the affairs of this life that we completely forget about the Lord, about his cause, about what we need to be doing, 
And folks, we could all be guilty of that. Jesus was lost because of neglect. Number two, Jesus was lost because of supposition. You know, the record tells us in Luke 2, verse 44, but they supposing him to have been in the company. They thought that he was in their company, that he was with them, but he was not there. They thought that Jesus was in their company. You know, many people will be lost on the day of judgment because they are supposing that the Lord is with them because he, they have been blessed, that things are going well, that I've got a house and a roof over my head, I have clothes on my back, I have food on my table, I have money in my bank account, I'm driving a good car, and they'll say, God has blessed me. Folks, let me tell you something. That is not a determination as to whether or not God has blessed you. Now, you may be blessed, and I'm not saying that you haven't been. But there are some people that are serving the Lord that don't have what we have. They don't have money in the bank. They don't have a good automobile to drive. Some people don't even have a roof over their heads. Some people barely have enough clothes to put on. And so what I'm saying this evening is we need to understand, folks, we cannot make the determination. And I've heard people say this over and over and over again, that I have been so blessed, and we have been, folks. But that's not the determination as to whether or not God is with us. Whether or not God is with us is whether or not we have followed His Word. It's dangerous in everyday life for someone to have this kind of determination. You know, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we have GPSs today, aren't you? You can go somewhere, you can, you can put in that address and, and download it in that GPS, and it'll give, you the, it'll give you the exact route that you need to take. And then when you get there, what's it going to tell you? You have reached your destination, right? We went to Florida a few years ago. We arrived on... Saturday evening, and so we got the GPS out, and some of those of you that, that were with us, my family, uh, you remember this. We got the GPS out. We put in the address of where we were looking for the church, and we drove until we got to that street, and it said, turn here, and we turned there, and when we got down to the address that was supposed to be where the church was, it says, you have arrived at your destination. And we looked around, and there was no church building. There was a school building, but there was nobody there. There were no signs, nothing. So we thought, well, maybe we came in the wrong direction, so we went in another direction, and so we came from the north and the south and the east and the west, and every time we arrived at this same address, and it said, you have reached your destination. But that wasn't where the church was located. So we drove about another 45 minutes the next morning to another congregation about 45 minutes away and found a place of worship. That evening, that afternoon, we drove back where we were staying, close to where we were staying, and we drove down the road, and as we were returning to our uh, residence where we were staying, 
We looked over the side of the road, and there in big letters, broad letters, on the side of the church building, Church of Christ, they had built a new building. They had moved. They weren't where that GPS said they'd be. Now, this is the reason why I say you've, you've got to be careful about supposing something to be the case. A lot of people have supposition about this or about that when, in fact, they, they don't know what they're doing because they're just supposing. Have, have any of you men ever been on a road and you thought you were on the right road, but you were actually on the wrong road? I've never done that. <laughs> My wife is smiling. <laughs> Men don't like to ask for directions. I don't like to ask for directions. It kind of tells me that, you know, I, I'm not a man if I have to ask for directions. <laughs> so rarely will I stop, although sometimes I do. Especially after she tells me I better stop. <laughs> but have you ever been on a road and, and you thought, well, I'm on the right road, and then you drive for miles and miles and miles, and, and all of a sudden you realize I'm on the wrong road. This is the reason why I'm saying, you know, People cannot go by supposition. There have been a lot of people that have been killed by guns because they thought and supposed that their gun was not loaded. It was empty. You remember what the wise man said, Proverbs 14, verse 12, also in Proverbs 16, verse 25. He said that there's a way unto man the ways of man uh, are those that, that uh, seem right unto him, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, man oftentimes thinks, well, this is the right thing. This is the right way to go. And in fact, the wise man said, you need to be careful because those can be the ways of death. You remember in the Old Testament, or excuse me, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, the apostle Paul, as he was rehearsing to the Jews, what happened with him as Saul of Tarsus. And he pointed out to them something that, that kind of uh, shocks us. I mean, I, I look at this and I'm thinking, uh, how could a man ever say this? But this, this is what Paul said. In Acts 23 and verse 1, he said, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. Now, what Paul was saying is that he said, I thought I was doing what was right when I was doing it, even when I persecuted those who were disciples of Christ. But he wasn't. He wasn't right. He was wrong, and he came to the understanding of that. But the, fa the fact remains is that Saul thought he was doing the right thing. This is the reason why I say you need to understand that just supposing something to be the case does not necessarily make it so. In Acts 26 and verse 9, Paul said, I thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he did. Many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The jailer, Philippi, in Acts 16, the Bible tells us that he supposed that the prisoners had fled. That is, when the earthquake came and the prison doors opened, he supposed that the prisoners had fled and he pulled his sword and was about to take his life when Paul and Silas called out and said, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. What would have happened had Paul not spoken up? Would the jailer have taken his own life? Yes. Yes. 
because he supposed that everybody was gone, but they weren't gone. They had remained. So what I'm saying this evening, Jesus was lost because of negligence. He was lost because of supposition. And number three, he was lost because they were looking in the wrong place. Again, verse 44, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. They were seeking Jesus among their kinfolk and their acquaintance. They were not really concerned, really. They weren't. Jesus, they didn't see Jesus after they got out of ways. And, and might I remind you, I'm not talking about a small group of people. I'm not talking about Jesus and, and, and Joseph and Mary being by themselves or even just... We're talking about a large group of people that had traveled from Nazareth and had come down to Jerusalem and they were going back. And, and they supposed that with their kinfolk and their acquaintance that had come from, from Nazareth, that Jesus was running around somewhere in the midst of those kinfolk. But you know something? Jesus wasn't there. They thought that he was safe. Now, I know he was safe, and, and, and I know that, that God knew where he was, as we mentioned earlier, but it would have all been the same had Jesus not been safe. And you remember what I said? That Joseph had been chosen out of thousands of Jewish men to be the legal father of our Savior, the Son of God. And Mary was chosen to be his mother. Today, people look for Christ in a lot of different areas. For instance, people look for Christ in their parents. Mom and dad did this, and that's the way mom and dad worshipped, and that's, the, that's, that's where they went to church, and that's where grandma and grandpa went to church. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that you need to question what your parents are doing or what your grandparents are doing. What I am saying, though, this evening is that you need to understand that your faith is not based upon what mom and dad did or upon what grandma and grandpa did, but it's based upon the Word of God. That's what we base it upon. And we need to get people to understand that. Because there are people that are hesitant to say, well, I don't want to do something different than what my parents did or, or what my grandparents did. But folks, if it's different than what this book teaches, it is wrong. Sometimes people look at creed books. Now, I'm going to be just as kind as I can in, in, in saying this, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand me because all I'm trying to do is inform you. Uh, I have talked to people over the years, and most people are not aware of this. But do you know that there are such things as Methodist disciplines and Baptist manuals and Presbyterian confessions of faith? And you know what they do? They read the books. The preachers read the books. And this is what they preach. They don't preach this book right here. I knew a man several years ago that was telling, he said, I, he said, I went through six years of schooling. He said, I've got, I, got a, I got a master's degree after getting a bachelor's degree. He said, in, in, in a seminary. And he said, the whole time I was there, he said, I never studied the Bible hardly at all. He said, well, all we did was go over ceremonies and, and not looking at the Bible, the Word of God. Later on, he realized that, he understood that, and he turned to the truth and he obeyed the truth. I'm thankful for that because that man was instrumental in converting a lot of people. But there are books that are written to say 
This is what we believe. Now listen to me very closely. If you've got a book that teaches something that is less than this book, you don't need it. Right? If you've got a book that teaches more than this book, you do not need it. And if you've got a book that teaches the same thing as this book, my question is this evening, why do you need it? Right? Now that's the reason why I say we don't need manuals and confessions of faith and and disciplines and, and, and catechisms. What we need is the Word of God. And again, I say that as kindly as I can say it. You know, I I don't want people mad at me and upset with me, but I would would ask people to investigate. Don't take my word for it. I've got them in my library. I'd be happy for you to sit down and read what they say. But they disagree with what the Word of God says. You know, Mary and Joseph... Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem. Now, here's, here's my point this evening, and this is, this, is what, this is the thing that I want us to understand. They lost Jesus, and this is the reason they lost him. They lost him because of negligence, they lost him because of supposition, and they lost him because they were looking in the wrong place. But where did they find Jesus? They found him in Jerusalem. Now, you say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, the significance of it, that's where he was. Well, let me suggest to you from a spiritual standpoint something that that I think that we can tie in with this. You may recall, and I would encourage you if you would just a moment to turn with me to Luke, the 24th chapter. And follow with me. You remember Jesus had walked with some disciples on the road to Emmaus. And that's an interesting account in itself as Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus. A beautiful story. A beautiful account. And how they did not know who Jesus was. And then finally how Jesus revealed himself unto them. But then he came to be with all of the disciples. We're talking about the apostles. And here's what he says at verse 45 beginning. And then opened he their understanding. And first of all, he told them the words in verse 44. The words of the law of Moses and the words of the prophets and the words in the Psalms concerning me. That is, these things that were taught about me in Moses' writings, in the Psalms, and in the prophets. He said, they have been fulfilled in me. Well that's the case and that must mean that you are the son of God indeed it does listen to verse 45 then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures now the scriptures they're going to understand is not the new testament we're talking about the old testament how the prophets prophesied of the messiah and and these prophecies pointing out all of these things about jesus 300 or more prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, about the Son of God, about the kingdom, the church of the living God, and how it was going to be established. And we talked about that last evening when we talked about Jesus going to, going to establish the church and did establish the church. And then Jesus went on to say, and thus it is written, and thus it behooved God, our Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Listen to him now. Beginning at Jerusalem. 
Where did the gospel first begin, folks? It began at Jerusalem. Where was the first gospel sermon preached? It was preached in Jerusalem. Read it, Acts chapter 2. The first gospel sermon was preached in Jerusalem. The first recorded gospel sermon is Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. And the first members of the body of Christ who were baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, Acts 2, verse 38. In fact, there were about 3,000 of them. We need to understand that Joseph and Mary had to return to Jerusalem in order to find Jesus. Whenever we follow the doctrines and the commandments of men, we need to understand that our religion is vain. Say that again. If we follow the doctrines and the commandments of men, our religion is vain. How do I know that? Jesus said it himself, Matthew 15, verse 9. But in vain do you worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. What did Jesus say in verse 13 of that same chapter? He said, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. What's going to be rooted up? Uh, every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted. What, what are we talking about? Are we talking about doctrine? Well, possibly, but are we talking about religious ideas, religious groups? Every plant that my Heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Does it show to me and to you the importance of the fact that we need to understand this is serious business, folks. And since it is so serious, and, and, and yet I look to the world and I see that, that people are not concerned as to whether or not this is serious or not. And Jesus told the Jews on one occasion, He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The Jews thought that they knew the Scriptures. They thought that they knew the Word of God. But Jesus said, if you'll search the Scriptures, He said, you'll find out that these Scriptures, we're talking about the Old Testament, testified of Jesus. And the New Testament teaches us about how that book is interpreted in the life of Jesus. And how His doctrine, His teaching, which we read about in this book, not in some other book, in this book is the doctrine that I must follow. That I, I, I don't see. Is that difficult for, for you to understand? Is it difficult for me to understand? I, I hope not because, you see, here again this evening, I want us to think just a moment because we've been thinking all week, well, Lord, what will you have me to do with you? Lord, what will you have me to do? If we know the truth and obey the truth, All's going to be well with our soul. Whenever we stand before God on the day of judgment, then we're going to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if Jesus is lost because of neglect, because of supposition, I think I'm doing the right thing, don't know it. Or because I'm looking in the wrong place, I'm not looking in the Word of God, I'm looking somewhere else, I'm looking through... Doctrines and commandments of men. I'm looking through what somebody else has said. I'm not looking myself. This is the reason why I tell young people, your faith must be your faith. It cannot be somebody else's faith. You cannot exist on the faith of your parents, 
all your grandparents, you're going to have to exist on the faith that you have from the Word of God. Understand this. How does faith come? Listen to what Paul writes, Romans 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What does that mean? It means that if I'm going to have the proper faith, the faith that the New Testament talks about, then I'm going to have to hear the Word of God. And this, folks, is the Word of God. I would challenge anyone, read this book. Follow these directions, and you can go from this place, that is from earth to heaven above. But you cannot get there by neglecting the Word of God. You cannot get there by supposing that you're following it. You cannot get there by looking somewhere else besides this book. The Bible teaches us, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you want to be saved on the day of judgment? Well, I hope you do. But in order to do that, you must obey the Lord and you must remain faithful to him as we live here on this earth below. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we encourage you to come while we stand in.